got Sugar Sugar Sean O'Malley, man. You're on fire. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. How's it going? Good, man. So out of all places, you're from Montana. Yep. Now, Montana. What's it like growing up in Montana? Uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, it kind of felt normal just because I it was the only place I ever grew up. So it just felt, you know, it was small town. Um, played a lot of sports, football, basketball, soccer, baseball. All year round, we were doing something. And, uh, yeah, just, just pretty much competed my entire life. That's all I kind of remember as far as my childhood. Didn't really like school. Um yeah, just played sports pretty much. And then your your father was a narcotic officer, right? Yeah. And what's nope. it what's it like growing up with your father being a narcotic officer? <laughs> uh I don't know. It just it was normal. I mean, I don't I don't yeah, I don't know. It was just kinda felt like a normal it was normal to me. Now, did did you train martial arts, things like that, in high school? I started kickboxing when I was sixteen, so that might have that was probably like freshman, sophomore ish year. Started started kickboxing and really just really liked it. Was naturally good at it, um, and and you didn't really it wasn't associated with school, so you didn't have to get good grades to to you know play like basketball, football. You had to get good grades, and I didn't really like going to school, so. You know, your grades aren't too good. You're not allowed to play sports. That's kind of where I started getting into kickboxing. It wasn't, you know, required to get good grades. And then you trained at uh, MMA Lab. What what makes that so special there? Like, you know, why is that such a, a special place to be training at? Yeah, I moved to Phoenix when I was 19 years old, trained at the lab. Um, Tim, who's my coach right now, my best friend, he was he was he had already moved down to Arizona before I had met him. So he, he, was, he moved down here and was trained down here at a, at a good gym. Benson Henderson was champ. They had a couple of guys in the UFC. Uh, really, Arizona, just in general, is the mecca for training. There's there's so many gyms out here, so many good guys out here. But the MMA Lab has a really good program. John Crouch, the head coach, he's really good at you know making sure people show up and, and, and get to work. So, yeah, moving here when I was 19 and really started learning MMA more, more so rather than just kind of like kickboxing. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, super important for, for my career. And then your first fight, you, you never had any wrestling training or anything like that, right? Uh, my first fight was, I, I MMA my first fight, fight was kickboxing yeah. fight. I mean, uh, MMA, my first MMA fight. Yeah. yeah. I was, uh, my first MMA fight, uh, when I was 18, yeah, I didn't really know how to wrestle. I didn't really learn how to wrestle until, you know, I moved down to Arizona. And how important is it to, cause you don't, you know, when you watch MMA, UFC, you, you don't, I don't really think of like the wrestling end of it, but, but how important is it to really be good at that or have a good grasp of it? If you can't wrestle, you're not going to make it in the UFC. You're not going to last for a very long time. You have to be able to wrestle. You have to be able to grapple and you have to be able to do it at a very high level. Um, which I'm capable of doing now, which, you know, the last five years I've completely dedicated my life to just grappling and it's paid off big time. And, you know, it's important considering, you know, I'm in the best division in the UFC, in my opinion, the bandwagon division. And, you know, the top five, six guys in that division are very heavy grapplers. So, uh, but yeah, it's very important to be able to wrestle and grapple at a high level. And, and is that the hardest thing to train 
is the wrestling like out of everything that you have to train i mean it's a ton of shit because you guys can do everything would you say that's the toughest thing yeah. yeah for sure it's it's the toughest but it's the most fun like that's what i just got done doing this morning was was grappling um it's probably my favorite training it's definitely the, the hardest on the body uh it, you know it's it, yeah it's the hardest on the body it's the most tiring part of fighting and uh but in my, I've learned to love it. I used to not like it at all. I used to hate it. Um, but you know, I used, I learned to love it because that's what I had to do every day. And uh, yeah. And, and how is your conditioning? Like you know, you watch boxing, but that's a whole different ball game. This is totally different. You know, I used to box. We used to watch boxing all the time. But this is some shit. What's your diet like? What What's the training like? How much are you like? How much cardio do you do? And then. How careful? How careful do you have to be to not overtrain before a big fight? I mean, you're at the highest level right now, so if you overtrain and you're in there tired, you know, you might have some problems. Yeah, I mean, it's, starting with the diet, I have a nutritionist, Dan Garner, who, who I, in my opinion, is the best in the world. He's a, he's a scientist when it comes to this stuff. We we do a bunch of blood work every year. A couple times a year, we'll do blood work saliva stool um you know we've done hair samples we've done everything possible that he can analyze and make sure that i'm eating perfect especially in fight camp supplementing where what i need to and uh so, so as far as dieting goes i eat pretty good all year round um i've learned to you know i used to only eat good in fight camp and then you eat shitty outside of fight camp then you get injured so so right now I, I eat good all year round. I have meal prep company that makes all my meals. Diane Garner's in touch with them and, and they communicate, make my meals. So so that's pretty much, you know, I'm dialed in there. Uh, as far as cardio goes, a lot of, you know, it's tricky. Cardio, like you could do, you do cardio. Like I basically did cardio this morning, wrestling and grappling. and It's hard to, you know, it, it's easiest to do the cardio in, in, in the sport you're doing, but I definitely do sprints like on treadmill, aerodyne sprints. Um, you know, you supplement cardio with, from what you you can't get training. Um, but yeah, cardio is cardio is king. You get tired, doesn't matter how good you are. You're tired. You you know you're, you're fatigued. You start lacking in your skills. So yeah, cardio is king. Um, yeah, I get a lot of most of it just doing the actual training, sparring, grappling. Uh, and yeah, it's a lot different. A lot different than boxing. Fighting is the most tiring sport in the world. Yeah. And and how much weights? How how much how much weights do you do you lift every day or are you going heavy or are you going light? Uh I lift twice a week. Tuesdays and Thursdays I lift and it is important to lift and be strong, especially, you know, my frame. I'm I'm a taller, skinnier guy and, and a lot of these guys I'm fighting five six, five seven or super strong. So um, you know, they're different strengths. I got leverage and uh, but yeah, Tuesday and Thursday I lift. Sometimes it's heavy. It's hard. You know, when you start lifting heavy, you you risk injury if you're not doing it 100 percent correct. Um, that's where I'm lucky to have a strength and conditioning coach, Brandon Harris, who who's got me dialed in, making sure you know he kind of helps me run my camps. As far as like, all right, this day we're gonna make sure we hit this. This day we're gonna make sure you know our heart rate doesn't get too high. It's gonna be a lower day, a little bit more active recovery. Um, but yeah, def- definitely lifting and definitely making sure you got to be strong, especially. You know, some of these guys, like the current champ right now, Aljamain Sterling, who, who is super strong. And then you got Murab, and, and you got some really strong guys in the division. So, yeah, definitely got to make sure I'm lifting and, and, you know, getting stronger. So it's almost like with, with UFC, you know, with boxing, I should say, you know, you can have a coach that 
punching coach, weight coach, diet coach. That's pretty much it if you, if you have the talent. But with UFC and MMA, it seems like you have to, if you want to be at your level, you have to have somebody at every point, you know, with nutrition, with this, with that. Yeah. And that's that's a huge separation, yeah. you know. Take me through that. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I, I have, a, I, yeah, I feel like I've cultivated, you know, the best, one. you know, everyone probably says it, but the best team in the world. And, and I truly believe that. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, my striking coach slash MMA coach, Tim Welch, who, who's been my best friend for the last 10 years. We have a really good relationship. Um, and then I have a jiu-jitsu coach, Augusto Tenquino Mendez, one of the best grapplers in the world at my weight class, which even helps even more. Uh, Dan Garner, nutritionist, Brandon Harris, strength and conditioning coach. And, and uh, yeah, yeah I, mean, awesome. I have a, such a good team that all my sparring – all my sparring partners and, and at the MMA lab. So, yeah, I, I have a really good team around me, and you have to to be at this level. Uh, we've had Bass run in a bunch of times, and I got pretty close with him. He, he thinks you're going to beat his striking record. Boss, yeah. Boss. I always say yeah, Bass, which, Boss. Which one? Which I don't even yeah. Which striking record's that? I forget which one he has. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's a, no one could beat it but you. He was like, there's no one in the world that could beat it but him. So, I mean, that's a big thing. Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> yeah. Take me through that knockout with uh, David Nuzo. That was crazy. Yeah, that one was right before the Contender Series. Those first, I think it was, no, second time, first pro or first time fighting in Arizona. That was a pro fight. I had fought amateur here, but yeah, David Nuzo, it was LFA right before the Contender Series fight. And uh, yeah, it was. That was pretty crazy. Head kick into a spinning back, uh, spinning wheel kick to the face, dropped him, put him, put him out. Yeah, that was that's probably one of my favorite knockouts. Uh, it's gonna be hard to top that one. <laughs> hey, Sh- Sean, one of my uh, favorite fights with you was, and I'm gonna butcher the last name, but Chris Motino, if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Uh, I mean, you yeah. beat the living shit out of that guy, <laughs> and he would yeah. not give up like there were points you're like man somebody needs to throw the white towel in already uh, take me through yeah. that i mean that was you were on <laughs> yeah that was that was uh yeah chris Montino, super tough dude i was supposed to fight someone else and like two weeks out you know that guy got staff or some something and uh yeah chris Montino stepped up and dude that was yeah i never i i know i broke some records that night as far as significant strikes landed in a three round fight. That was, that was crazy. That was, you know, my hands hurt, literally hurt for like two months after that from punching him over and over into the face. I mean, if your hands hurt, his face must have <laughs> hurt. It's probably still hurts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he still has a little headache from that. That was on what? Almost two years ago. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> And I always ask this, how yeah. do you train to take hits like that? You, you know, like in boxing, if you take, if you verse them, the guys are going down, but you guys can take hits like I have never seen, especially the leg, the leg, leg kicks. kicks yeah. I, I see that and you don't go down, you know, other contenders don't go down. And I don't know how it's possible that you don't go down. How do you train for that, that you could take massive blows like that or you, or you dodge them, but it just looks like you're getting crushed by them? <laughs> Just me. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know if he really trained for getting hit in the head. I think just the better shape you're in, the better cardio you have, 
and honestly, probably the less times you've been hit in the head, <laughs> the, easy, the more shots you can absorb. And then there's some kids that are just stupid tough. Like I don't really know how to describe it. They just their brain doesn't shut off like that. Chris has just kept walking forward. His yeah. brain, you know, <laughs> you, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I don't know how some people just can. You know, look at Nate Diaz. Still never really been knocked out, and he's been hit with everything. So some people just have that ability to absorb massive shots. And then, and then just going back a little bit, when you got uh, on a spot with Dana White on the Contender 2 Series, how did that feel for you? You know, coming from Montana, you, you know, just, I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it was a big deal. I kind of, ever since I got the MMA, I, I, I was always off, I always kind of was delusional about my success i always knew this was going to happen i would tell people i'm going to i want to get in the ufc i want to be a star blah blah blah. you say it. i mean the, the chances of that actually happening are very slim and for whatever reason in my head i was just i knew it was going to be re- my reality so yeah getting on the contender series was like the first step of you know obviously getting into the ufc i had to go out there and put on a performance they announced that snoop dog was going to be announcing which huh. helped you know kind of start blowing up my social media so, yeah, I mean, getting on the Contender Series was massive, and that was right after the David Nuzo knockout. So I was going in there with uh, going in there with a lot of confidence. And uh, either the kid I fought get into the uh, on the Contender Series, the kid I fought was was really good. He was 8-3 with eight TKOs. So I knew I wasn't fighting the scrub. And, yeah, I went in there and just did what I had to do. This podcast is brought to you by Monster Energy. Tear into a can of the meanest energy drink on the planet, Monster Energy. It's the ideal combo of the right ingredients in the right proportion to deliver a big bad buzz that only Monster can. Monster packs a powerful punch, has a smooth, easy drinking flavor. Athletes, musicians, co-eds, road warriors, metalheads, geeks, hipsters, and bikers dig it. You will too. Monster Energy is more than just the green OG. Monster has Monster Ultra, Juice Monster, Monster Hydro, Rehab Monster, Dragon Tea, Monster Max, Muscle Monster, and many more. Buy on Amazon, buy on Walmart, or go to monsterenergy.com and believe me, you'll find a place. Unleash the beast. Monster Energy. This episode is brought to you by Let's Get Checked. Are you the man your father was? Recent studies have shown that men's testosterone levels have dropped substantially since the 1980s at about an average of 1% per year. Think about how old your father was when he was born. For example, if he was 30... Your testosterone levels could be 30% lower than his. Low testosterone levels can have all type of health effects on men. It can affect your mood, sex drive, memory, muscle mass loss, you name it. And yes, low testosterone is more common the older you get, but it can affect men at any age. So let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in a discreet packaging with next day delivery. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. So, if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com backslash mscsmedia and get 25% off your test using the code mscsmedia. The link is in the description at the top. And then when you got in there, how did your your fighting, training, and every how did you have to evolve once you got to that point? Yeah, I really. I mean, I, at that point, I, I wasn't working with Brandon Harris. I didn't have a strength and conditioning coach. I didn't have a, a nutritionist. You, you know, you don't can't you don't really 
I needed to evolve. I needed to find people around me that could help me continue to grow. And that's what we did. So it was, it was an eye opener. I knew, I knew like, I think I was like 22 years old getting into UFC. I wasn't necessarily ready to be in the UFC yet. I still had a lot of work to do. And uh, I just continued to grind. And, and, you know, really the last 28 now, since I moved here when I was 18, last 10 years, it's just been a grind. I, I enjoy it. You know, I love it. It's Monday and I'm sitting in a hammock. It's beautiful out. It's mm-hmm. noon. So uh, I can't complain. I went and trained hard this morning. I'm going to come home, eat lunch, take a nap, train again this afternoon. So it's pretty much my life. Train, chill, train. Did you, uh, obviously, I'm sure you saw the Usman Edwards fight. When, do you think... I did. Was it just me or, or you know, it looked like Edwards had a lot of fouls. I mean, what, he was like holding him against the fence, and then it comes down to the cards. Did you see it like that too, or am I seeing shit? I mean, he, he held his gloves. It happens. I mean, you're in there in a fist fight, and you know, there's just, it, it, sometimes that just happens. I mean, I fucking did it in my last fight on accident a couple of times. And you just you're in a fight. You're it's life or death. You 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 grab a little something, something. I think. Uh, that one, he got a warning. Then he got a point to t- take, taken yeah. away. I think mm-hmm. he was grabbing the fence. Um, I mean, getting a point taken away is is huge in a fight. It's a it's massive. So, I mean, even if he did do that, he still got a point taken away, which and he still won. So, which is impressive. I thought Leon looked really sharp. I'm actually rewatching the fight. I'm only I'm only two rounds into it. I, I did want to rewatch it because I was in Montana this weekend helping a couple buddies fight. So I was watching on my phone and didn't get to watch it as closely as I wanted to. But the fact that he beat Kamaru Usman in a decision, it, it, it was super impressive. And when you say, you know, uh, when a point's taken away, it, it's, it could be deadly. You, you know, in boxing, it's not that deadly. So yeah. could you explain the difference in UFC, how, how make or break that could be no matter how good the fight is? Or how good you're fighting. Yeah. In boxing, there's, you know, what, 12 rounds? Get a point taken away, still, you know, still not great. But in, in MMA, there's five rounds. So you, I mean, so and that's if it's, a, if it's a title fight. If it's not, it's three rounds. So you get a point taken away, you automatically pretty much lose that round. Or it's a tie. So, yeah, just less rounds, you know, less less tie, less uh, room for mistakes. So, yeah, getting a point taken away... Is, is not good, especially if you lose that round and get a point taken away. Mm. Now you're down two rounds. And, and before I'm going back to like the late '90s, early 2000s, I used to watch a lot of boxing. And whenever it came to the judges, you know, you know the people that were involved back then, you would be like, no matter, <laughs> no matter what it looked like, yeah. you know, we're all down there with the jungle. We got some money. <laughs> yeah, we're all down there with the jungle juice, you know, taking little bets, yeah. and we're like, fucking, please don't let it come to the judges. And then it goes to the judges, and you're like, ah. Is when when a fight in the UFC comes down to a, a card to a score, is, is it similar to that? Is it like worrisome as it was in boxing, or, or do you think not not so much? Or or what are your thoughts on that? I mean, judge, the judges could definitely, uh, you know, they're human. They're going to get it wrong. It really comes down to it's their opinion on who won that round. It's still, you know, what are they judging on the criteria? Uh, I don't think it's. I mean, if you're think, if you're saying like, or asking if it, I think it's rigged at all. If there's anyone that has higher power that's going to kind of persuade it one way or the other, uh, I don't think so. The athletic commission and, and the actual UFC have 
you know, are completely two separate people. The athletic commission doesn't really care who wins. They have zero say in it. Um, and I don't think the UFC has any say in that athletic commission hoping one fighter wins or not. So, you know, I think it comes down to it's the judges' perspective, what who they thought did more damage in, in each round. And, yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to get it wrong sometimes. Refs, you know, basketball, football get it wrong sometimes too. But, yeah, it's, it sucks. Too bad there's not, you know, a robot that can judge it more fairly or something. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's tricky. Would you want that? Because I, I had seen that uh, the MLB is they're looking to put umpire, like oh, robot, you see that? Yeah. umpire uh, robots in in 24. Would you want that in the UFC? Wow. That, I mean, the umpire that would that would be that'd be fair. That'd be good in the UFC. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say. Who knows how good they can get? But I think there just needs to be a different criteria or a more accurate criteria, and everyone's kind of on the same page for the UFC. Because I think it's still kind of like what are they damage or what are they what are they um, judging on? What's a takedown without any damage? It, it, it's still tricky. I think it's still evolving. I do think it'll continue to get better. Um, but at the end of the day, fighting is, I mean, it's hard to judge. There's some rounds that are so close and you still have to pick a winner. Maybe there needs to be more draws and rounds. You know, it, it is tricky. You know, what's a hard leg kick versus like a, a, a jab that doesn't land very well, but it's still a headshot. So it's tricky. I think they'll continue to get better. See, I, I like the human element of it. Like even if you, you have a robot umpire or whatever, I don't know, just like growing up, it's human. You know what I mean? So for me, I, I like, yeah. I, I don't want a robot in sports. Like, I want it to be human. And if they fuck <laughs> up, they fuck up. You know what I mean? That's just me personally. Yeah. Yeah. See that? What did you think of uh, the Jones fight? Yeah. I mean, John Jones versus Real Gone. Yeah. I feel like light heavyweight John Jones, 205 John Jones could have went out there and did that again like when i was talking about having high level grappling and being able to wrestle at a high level gone couldn't do that gone didn't do that gone got out grappled by francis gone got taken down and submitted in less than two minutes against john jones so that that's just what i was talking about you have to be able to wrestle and grapple at a super high level or else the guys at the top are just gonna you know do what they want with this episode is sponsored by Zbiotics. What is Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic? The Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic is a genetically engineered probiotic you drink before drinking alcohol to avoid that rough next morning and get back to living your life. PhD scientists invented it because they know the real problem is not dehydration. It's a toxic byproduct of alcohol. And Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic is the only product that breaks it down. Just remember to drink responsibly and plenty of rest too. Every time I have Zbiotics before drinking, I'm amazed at how good I feel the next day. Zbiotics is a must-have for me because it means I'm still going to make my daily workout even if I have a few drinks the night before. That's important to me. You can get Zbiotics for 15% off your first order using my code MSCSMEDIA at checkout. I recommend getting the six-pack. That's what I got. It's a great deal. You have a couple extra to share with friends. Go to zbiotics.com backslash MSCS Media. That's Z as in zebra, biotics, B I O T I C S dot com backslash MSCS Media, or scan the QR code on the screen right now and get 15% off your first order. You will not be sorry. Link is in the description below. Yeah. 
Did you watch the uh, boxing fight with uh w- w- Logan? Right, I always get him mixed up. No, no, Jake, Jake, Paul. I always get Jake and Logan mixed up. The, that did you see the Paul and Fury fight? I did watch that. Yeah. The only thing I thought that was off with that, I don't think that ref, I don't think that was the right ref for that fight because they were two pretty much beginners in a way on that level, and he was kind of a little tough yeah. on them. Yeah. Now, do you think that was that was yeah, I, I agree. Fair? Uh, I think the fight was was scored fair. I thought you know Jake did really good. Tommy's been boxing his whole life. Uh, Tommy looked like he edged it out. Maybe Jake did get that knockdown, which is huge. But again, there's you know I think in that in that sense it was eight rounds. But yeah, I think the ref sucked. It's like let him let him let him clinch up a little bit. You know, let him dirty box a little bit, even if they had to rest a couple for a couple seconds. I mean. The ref was, was, yeah, I don't know what the hell he was doing. I thought the ref definitely sucked. Um, the fight, I thought it was, the fight was good. It was entertaining. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like the most high-level boxing match, but that's not why we were watching it. We were watching it because Jake Paul, the massive superstar, and uh, they had beef. So I wasn't expecting the highest-level boxing. It was it was a high level. I mean, it was it was good. I enjoyed it. I was competitive, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Jake. Now, what do you, uh, Sean? What do you think about uh, speaking to Jake? What do you think about um, Floyd Mayweather approaching him down here uh, at the, after the Heat game? You think Floyd's just trying to get in on some of that money that Jake's been making, or what? Um, uh, yeah, I don't really know. I seen I seen a couple clips of it, Jake Floyd. I mean, I don't know if maybe Floyd just wanted to chit chat. You know, maybe Floyd understands the internet, understands content, understands, you know, maybe, maybe there's something there. Maybe I'd buy Jake versus Floyd. I'd watch it, It, you know. So maybe I, maybe his intentions were were different. Maybe they were to hurt him. Maybe they were to beat him up. I don't – I can't imagine that. Floyd's got – it's like he's not stupid. He knows there's cameras all around him. Maybe he was trying to punk him out. Maybe, you know, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to say. I, I don't really pay – hadn't been to pay attention too much to it. I just kind of seen a video, but – yeah, and, and speaking of that, like exactly what you said, that's what I thought. I thought, well, he's 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 he knows there's cameras around. This is going to make its rounds. How much of fighting now? It's a show, right? We get it, and it's it's a lot to it. How much of it is? I don't want to say staged, but like, okay, they're doing this just to get more people juiced up for it. Do you think it happens a lot? I mean, within the sport itself. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there, there, a lot of the beefs are real. Tommy Jake didn't like each other. Uh, Colby Jorge didn't like each other. Jorge socked him outside of the you know octagons dealing with legal issues now. So, so all the beefs I feel like are real. T.J. Dillashaw versus Cody Garbrandt hated each other. John Jones, Daniel Cormier hated each other. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely beefs. I mean, we're we're all alphas. We're all you know fighters. So there's definitely it's not like we're the fights are there's beef out there i think there's very little fake stuff like behind the scenes like instagram hey let's 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 talk shit so we can sell a fight i think there's very little of that i think a lot of people are you know uh, i think fighters just a little bit crazy well you can't expect them to just behave like normal citizens everywhere we go um some of us can some of us you know can't and any guys out there that uh you know you I guess maybe have uh, old beef with, still beef with, any assholes that you can talk about. I don't know if you want to throw anybody out there, but any guy that <laughs> just gets under your skin the wrong way. 
I'm pretty good at keeping business and, and you know my personal life out of everything, and, and then business. You know, I'll build fights. I'll, I'll I'll have some beef with whoever I'm fighting. You know, you know, make cause some interest. I understand the content game. I understand the entertainment value. I understand. And, and the thing is, I I want if, as a fan, I want someone causing beef. I want there to be a little extra. I've watched two guys fight that that were no beef, lose interest. I don't really care who wins. You watch two guys that go back and forth, hate each other, talking shit. I'm interested. So when I have a fight, I don't have a fight schedule. There's no one really to talk shit to. But I, I stay, you know, pecking at people. Henry Cejudo, Aljamain Sterling, Beavers Cheeto will be a big rematch. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll peck at people, you know, almost more in a comedy way rather than like a super violent, physical, aggressive way. But, you know, it, it depends. I don't have a fight coming up. So, mm. you know, if I had, if I had if I was fighting someone, I was fighting Henry right now. Maybe I'd call him short or something. <laughs> do Do you have a like a dream opponent that that you'd like to go against? No, I never really. Uh, you know the, the the not really. I don't really care to fight someone specific. More so right now, it's just who's next, Henry or Aljo. Whoever wins that, who I want to fight. I want to fight whoever the title at that point. What, did, when you were coming up, did you have, you know, like I was playing basketball when I was a kid, so obviously I looked up to Jordan. You know, was there somebody that, that you had looked up to, like a role model that you kind of took after? I didn't really start watching the UFC until, you know, I was like 18, 19, until I moved to Phoenix. Like I was kickboxing. I really didn't care about UFC or bar. I didn't watch it. I just liked the sport. I just liked competing, and I didn't watch any other – I didn't watch it. Uh, so when I started watching Connor was just getting in the UFC he was like just fighting Max Holloway and I remember liking Connor like the way he talked like the way he you know brought interest to the fight uh, so so definitely Connor he did for me Connor got me interested because like I said I was a boxing guy but when when Connor started coming around you know he really to me he really gave a lot of life to the UFC and then you'd be like who is this guy yeah. and then you watch him like oh shit he's no yeah. joke how do you think he'll come back yeah 100% you know, he's fighting Michael Chandler. I think it's a really good matchup for him. Uh, orthodox guy who throws hooks. Like He's fought, you know, 10, 10 plus people that have that similar style. Uh, Michael Chandler's no joke, though. Like, he's not an easy fight by any means, uh, but it is a good matchup for Connor. Uh, being a huge Connor fan, I'd love to see Connor go out there and get the job done. I'm also a fan of Michael Chandler, though, so it's, it's tricky, but it's hard. To, you know, I love Connor, so I'd, uh, I'd love to see him, you know, continue to win and keep fighting because we don't know how many more fights we're going to get with Connor. Yeah. And I, as a fighter at your level, when, when you have that injury, like Connor had, how hard is that to come back? And then being that you use pretty much every part of your body in UFC, you know, do you think he can come back like he was, or, or do you think there's going to be, you'll notice it. I mean, he's working hard. I mean, he got jacked. Yeah, I mean, he, he's not in the USADA, USADA pool. USADA obviously does random drug testing. and he, He's re technically retired. He's out of the pool, so he hasn't been getting tested. He basically said he's on steroids to completely heal that bone. Sure. And uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, as a championship mindset, I think he's going to come back and, and be fine. I think he's taken the right steps and the steps necessary to heal an injury like that. So I think, I think as far as the injury itself goes, you know, he probably has the best people in the world to make sure that that thing heals right. And, uh, yeah, I think I think he'll be all right. I think he's come back and it's going to act like it never happened. 
And how did how did you get the name Sugar? There you go. How how did you get that name? Yeah, so my coach John, my first MMA coach Johnny Aho in Helena, Montana. Um, you know, he you had to be on the team for six months, and then after that, he he give you a he'd give you a nickname. At first, it was oh, Spider, <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, coach, no offense, I just that that's not it. I don't I don't like that one." He said, "All right, let me think of something else." Uh, so then he said sugar, and I was like, "All right, how come?" And he said, "Cause I was so sweet to watch fight." I'm like, "All right, that make uh, I like that one." So yeah, cause I was so sweet to watch fight. That's how I got the name Sugar. Now, when you're standing there getting ready, you know, you have your entrance music, you come down, crowd's going crazy, and you're standing there and you're waiting, and then Bruce Buffer comes in and he does his whole thing. What is that? Are you paying attention to that? Are you into it? Is he psyching you up? Oh. Because I watch and I'm like, yeah, here we go. Like, what does it do for you? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm calm as a cucumber. I, yeah. I'm ready. When I'm in the octagon, I'm 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 pretty much emotionless. I'm very, uh, you know, very aware of my breath. Very aware of you know how my feet feel mm-hmm. on the canvas. And uh, I'm very calm. I mean, if you ever watch me walk out yeah. or, or standing in the octagon before the fight, I'm very calm. I get into a very good flow state in the back. I, you know, I'm, that whole day, I'm just very aware of my breath. And it's, you know, it, it's uh, it's an interesting day. It's a long day. Like my last fight, I walked, you know, I fought like 1030 at night. And it was, it was, it's a long day to, to wait around. But yeah, as far as in the octagon, Bruce Buffer announced me very calm. And I saw I saw on Instagram you were using a breathing thing. Can you pull that th- that up? Yep. Uh, <clears throat> you were using that breathing balloon, and uh, boss he he has his O2 trainer. What does that do for you? Like how, how much does that really yeah. help? And like how does that work? Uh, I just recently started using it, so I don't know. We'll see. Brandon Harris got me at my strength and conditioning coach. We're always trying to figure out, you know, how to get better, just even if it's a little bit even if it's just a little bit better or, uh, you know, at, at the top, it's just that, it's that little thing. If that can be giving me a little bit of an advantage, I'll do it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, just been recently using it and kind of expanding my lungs, expanding my diaphragm. And it's kind of like a, being able to work out without being on your joints and, and stuff. So yeah, just every little tool we can use, you know, I basically have a recovery center in my house, my sauna, my cold plunge, my red light. I got a PEMF machine. I got, uh, yeah, I pretty much just got all my recovery tools and, and try to recover as fast and as good as possible for my next workout. How long can you handle the cold plunge? I'm working my way up, but how, how long can you handle that for? I'll, I'll never go over three minutes. Um, yeah. I'll do, sometimes I'll do rounds, but I never really go over three minutes. I, I think they say, like, you get the benefits, the physical benefits from the, you know, like the inflammation in, in the, the body, the physical benefits at two minutes, anything after is kind of mental. So yeah, I, I never, never go over three minutes, but yeah, some people sit, stay sitting there for 10 minutes and shit. I'm like, no, you don't. And it's probably like <laughs> yeah, 50 but, degrees. Uh, yeah. I, put, I have, I have mine down at like 40, 39 degrees. So yeah, I, I never go over three minutes. Wow. And, uh, like I saw you have your clothing line. What got, I think that was brilliantly smart. Cause you see a lot of, you know, you can't fight forever. You know, and with your popularity right. and, you know, you're different than everybody else. I mean, that couldn't have been a, been a better move. What got you to start that? And then 
how much of a pain in the ass is it to develop it and pick what you want on there and so on and so forth? When I was 16, 17 years old, my kickboxing, when I started kickboxing, I was, you know, selling selling old school sugar merch that was. So it's been something I've, I've been passionate about for, you know, since I started fighting. I always thought it'd be cool to have, you know, merch, fighter merch. And then I eventually started getting into like, well, I want it to be more fashionable. I don't want it to be like every, it just looks like a typical fighter shirt. So I want to move into more fashion and, and stuff like that. So we've been doing that for, you know, over two years now. Um, it's been very successful. I enjoy it. It's not really a pain in the ass at all. I work with a company in LA called Killer Merch, who um, you know helps with the designs and, and and takes care of the the shipping and the customer service and all that stuff. So uh, it's not a pain in the ass at all. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy trying to come up with the color waves. My my girl Danny, she she's super passionate about it too and helps helps a ton. She always, she has a good eye for fashion and what's you know. What's, it's summer, so we're not going to be selling as many hoodies and shit like that. Shit I don't think about, she thinks about. Um, and, and, yeah, it's really fun. It's very, very uh, – it's been very lucrative. It's I've made a lot of money being able to do that. And like you said, I'm not going to be able to fight forever. Um, the sugar brand can live on forever. That's kind of the goal. I want to. I want it to be eventually where, where someone goes into a store and, and you see sugar and they, they think the brand's cool. They like the, you know, the clothing – the passion and it's i wanted to outgrow me and, and be be bigger than just sugar the fighter yeah so uh, so when you're done fighting it still lives on we're, we're looking at it now on the screen what's what's some of your best sellers or, or what's some of your favorite things that that you have on there yeah some of my favorite things every, every fight for the last probably six or seven fights i do a, a custom jersey so every fight camp i'll do a, a color wave you know, the last one were the, were, was this orange orange and cream colors, and I, I always wrap all my cars, um, uh, whatever the color wave is for that fight camp. So <clears throat> the jerseys are my favorite. We do limited edition, 200 of the jerseys. And uh, so, those, so those are my favorites. Last time we did this Letterman's jacket for that last fight camp, this orange one, I really, really liked that. We just dropped this uh, gray hoodie and sweats and uh, a hat. Really like that. The brown sugar merch, like this, uh, a sweatsuit style. I really like that. So it's hard to hard to pick one. Um, I've done a couple of robes that I've I really like. I did this Christmas robe, the white with the red and green. Um, yeah, it's hard hard for me to pick one. I really like everything that we put out. I like the sweatsuit because you, you know, like for when you're home and you're just hanging out, because it's. It's hard. I don't think Adidas is. I see everybody wearing this Adidas shit and everything else. Your sweatsuit's comfortable as hell. And I, you know, when you're around the house. Oh, I appreciate that. Oh, sure it is. And that's uh, sugarshop.co. And you got everything. You got footwear, bottoms, coffee cups. You got everything on there, man. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. You know, when I see that, (laughs) I like, you know, not that it's anything for me, but I mean, I'm just proud of you that you're not just fighting and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you're taking your name and like you're doing something with it and your coach who gave you the sugar. I mean, you can't forget that. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Johnny Ajo. He's a legend. He's a, uh, yeah. Uh, love that dude. What's some of the things, uh, outside and we'll have all this in the description and it will pop up, you know, where this is at, but what are some of the things you like outside of training and fighting? I mean, I know you don't have much time, but when you do have time and you just need a break, what are some things that, that you like? Yeah, it'd be, I mean, time. I got a lot of time. I, I trained for a couple, like, trained for an hour and a half this morning. 
I uh, don't got nothing to do till like 4 p.m. So I got a lot of time. Uh, it's nice on certain days that uh, Danny's mom. I have a little daughter. She's two and a half. Oh, mine too. Uh, we have, I got her, a two and a half. Mom's too. our nanny. <laughs> uh, oh, right on. So, so that takes up a lot of the time. Uh, uh, but on days like Mondays, Mondays and Tuesdays when Danny works, Elena's at her grandma's. So. You know, I'm just chilling. I'm gonna, you know, I like to. Arizona's beautiful out right now. I come outside, stretch. Um, I game a couple hours here and there. I haven't really been gaming as much just because I'm getting ready for a maybe a fight. You know, Aljamain Sterling and Henry Cejudo are fighting, and, and if one of those guys pull out, I'm gonna step up and take that fight. So I've just been. I'm pretty much in fight camp right now. I'm just, you know, I'm uh, not doing a whole lot. Sitting outside, stretching. You know, I'm gonna. I'm going I'm to start building. I just bought some land behind my house. So I'm going to start building uh, this warehouse. It's going to have, it's going to be kind of like the the fantasy factory, Rob Dyrdek's fantasy factory. Oh, really? Uh, the sugar factory. I'm going to have a, have a full-size octagon in there. Awesome. Um, a foam pit, you know, a little entertainment area to watch the fights with the boys, a couple of offices. And I'm, I'm in the process of talking to uh, the general contractor and the architect and, and doing stuff like that right now. Damn, you're doing all that while while you're possibly getting ready to fight. If you get into that fight, when do you think that will be? Will they push it back or, or when when you know? It's it's May sixth, so it's probably like a little over seven, six, seven weeks out right now. I can't imagine either of those guys pulling out. Yeah. Uh you know, they're both they both need some cheddar, so I think they're gonna even if they are hurt, they'll just get to the fight just so they can get paid. So I can't imagine either of them pulling out. But yeah, you know, I just got to stay ready just in case. I'd hate to, hate to miss that opportunity. Now, we talked a lot about it a little bit before, but what do you think is the most important trait for a successful fighter in the UFC? Um, inside, like, attributes, like the actual physical fighter itself, I'd say speed. Um, speed is speed. That's oh, hard to say. Cardio is king, but I, I'd say speed. Speed is very very tricky very hard to deal with when someone's really fast and you, you can't get a hold of them you can't get them up against the cage speed's probably number one speed right yeah. hey i got a quick question for you sean you got a lot of uh uh mma fighters down here in south florida uh trained down here live down here um gilbert burns uh poirier um Yep. Noguera his actually his Noguera uh, his brother has a place in Jupiter, Florida here. You know, when it comes to the different areas, you know, where where do you I mean I guess it doesn't it, it depends, but some of the best fighters or best trainers, I mean, all over the place any specific place where people go? I think Florida's got too many hot chicks. I couldn't train down there. <laughs> too distracting. Too distracting. <laughs> I live in Peoria, Arizona, like 40 minutes away from Scottsdale, an hour away from Tempe. I live out in the old folks area, and uh, it's just too easy to get distracted, so I just avoid you know, being around it. Yeah, no, I get it. And then you, know, you talk about you, know, you have a daughter. Tommy has a daughter. I have two teenage boys. Um, we talk about this kind of all the time, you know, nowadays with kids and all the bullying shit that goes on and, and things like that, you know, we, me and Tommy always say like, you know, teach your kid you know, to, 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 to not take shit, stand up for yourself. Right. And maybe a lot of this bullying could go away. 
Do you think kids should be involved at a young age in MMA and things like that so they're not pushed around per se? Yeah, for sure. I mean, even if, you know, I, I think even if kids that turned out to be bullies started doing jujitsu and, and learning all that stuff at a young age, it might even prevent kids from being bullies, not even just being bullied. Uh, yeah, jujitsu, in my opinion, is the best sport in the world. You know, everyone can do it. Girls can get good out of it. Uh, you don't have to be super athletic. You can, you know, it's not just an athletic sport. You can just be smart and kind of get good at certain styles. So, yeah, I think I think it's super important. Kids get into jujitsu at an early age, or at least eventually. You don't even. I mean, adults start it when they're 35, 40 years old. I think it's important. Um, but as far as kids go, yeah, I think I think it's important. Just being around a good community too. Um, yeah, that jujitsu is is huge, and and Elena's definitely gonna, you know, start jujitsu when she's probably four or five. Do you think it would help solve some of the problems we have nowadays with kids and all the shit that happens? Yeah, I don't even know. Like, well, all that shit that happens, I guess, it might be out of the loop a little bit. I don't really. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really. I, I don't know. I I do have a daughter. She's two and a half, but she's. You know, she stays. She stays with her. She plays with her cousins and and uh, and stuff. So she hasn't really started going to school or anything. I'm just saying, like in school, how kids. You know, it's. I mean, there's always been bullying per se, or kids getting picked on, but just how ruthless it is now with social media. And you know, if a kid learned how to stand yeah. up for themselves, maybe not have as many problems. No, yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. I'm still trying to figure out what what is considered bullying. You know what I mean? They they call everything bullying. Everything's this. Everything's that. It's it's, it's better that you don't know. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just I think uh, you know. Elena, I, I'm gonna let Danny kind of decide. I think Elena will go to a semi private school around here. And yeah. I mean, yeah, getting getting having your kids around a good group of kids is super important, but it's hard to kind of pick and choose when it comes to that. How good was uh, Peter? Am I saying his name right? Yeah. I, I'm horrible with names. John. Yeah. Uh, how good was Peter Jan? We, you know, number one contender. We weren't in the ring, you know, but how how good was he? Yeah, Peter Jan was yeah he was the number one guy in the world for a reason he was considered you know he, he was arguably the champ at the time he he had beat the champ lost because he need him illegal but illegally but was whooping him fought a close fight again to the champ and and lost that fight so yeah he, i mean he's he's super skilled one of the scariest guys in the division um i you know really good kickboxer muay thai good grappler all well-rounded everywhere and uh, I I just had really good preparation, really good training camp for that fight. Uh, got the job done. And you had some tough fights, man. Even uh, was it? Ty- I'm again, I'm bad with Tyrone Ware, Tyrone Ware, Ware, Ware. Carry on, yeah, Tyrone Ware for the promotional debut. How was that one? Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting fight. Tyrone Ware UFC debut. Um, Again, still hadn't been working with Dan Garner, still hadn't met Brandon Harris, so so my strength and conditioning was lacking, my nutrition was definitely lacking, I wasn't eating, you know, wasn't eating quality food, wasn't eating good, but was, was young, I was like 22, 23 years old, uh, still learning a lot, uh, yeah, that was a very close fight, I won the first round, he won the second round, then I dug deep and, and pulled out the third round, and yeah, that was a, it was a really fun fight, it was 
very entertaining. I enjoy going back and watching that fight and watching a young sugar, you know, <laughs> do do what I needed to do to get the job done. Yeah, you have the drive, like the Kobe Bryant of the world, you know, like like Kobe was just an animal. You know, I used to go to L.A. to watch him all the time. Yeah. He, he was just an animal. And Jordan, you know, you don't yeah. see much of it now. You see these guys taking off all the time. You know, they stub their pinky and they don't play for three games or, you know, whatever the issue is. But, <laughs> you know, just those two fights alone, mm-hmm. you know, that's just at yeah. some point you can have all the conditioning you want. But if you don't have the drive, there's no way you can withstand it. And you did, you know. Yeah. 100%. Now, now you yeah, built yeah. all yeah, those last that last fight. I got to show my heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you built a lot of this fame around yourself. H- how have you been able to to handle it, or, or like how much of a pain in the ass has it been with the good? Uh, you just gotta learn how, how to say no. You gotta, I gotta, I gotta be in Arizona. I gotta be trying and I gotta be grinding. I can't be going, you know, I've, I met a lot of cool people. I have, you know, the Nelk boys, Logan, Jake Paul, like I have a lot of opportunities to go and, you know, fuck around and have fun. But at the end of the day, that's not going to, you know, get me to the world, to be a world champion. And I got probably about 10 more years of, of grinding and, and becoming as po- good as I possibly can become. So it, it, it makes it, there's ups and downs, you know, the, the ups are, I get paid more, you know, I have bigger brand deals. I have, I can sell more merch. Like there's, there's good things about it. Uh, the cons is just, you know, I, I guess I just have to be more disciplined and saying no and just staying home and, and doing what I need to do, and which is, is train and recover and train. And is that how you handle some of the criticism, which I thought was bullshit, but just the criticism that kind of, I guess you would say hating on you. You know what I mean? Some of the criticism that you got, you just ignored it and stayed away from all the bullshit. That that was kind of your play with it. Yeah, I mean, you learn. Uh, you learn that once you start getting popular on social media, you can go. There's not one person in this world that doesn't have hate. Like even if it's the best person in the world, the nicest person in this world, uh, is gonna is gonna be hated on. So as long as I know at the end of the day, I'm a good person. You know, I'm a you know I'm a fa- I'm a dad. I'm a family guy. I, you know, I don't. I think if I was genuinely a bad person and, and I read some comments and they might nag at you, but I just, they don't bother me because they're not real. Like I just, you know, I, I see a lot of people say, I try to be like Connor. I try to, you know, I try to do, um, I tried, I don't know. It, a lot of the negative stuff. Yeah. It really doesn't bother me just cause it's not true. Yeah. yeah. Just ignore it. I, like I never read the comments. I turn them off. I turn them the fuck off because what, <laughs> Because, you know, some, yeah. Yeah, because sometimes, like, th- let's just say I went and read through them, and usually I could care less, but maybe I'm having a bad day, and then I read some comment, and then I'll change everything over some idiot that might be a robot or some fat ass guy <laughs> who's eating a big bag of potato right. chips and nut huggers that, you know, with a hairy belly. And here I am going to change everything in yeah. the studio and everything. And here I am talking to you, but because some fat ass said something in a comment. And on a bad day, it will get to me. So I just had the hell with it and turned them off. <laughs> now, one, Smart. Yeah, I mean, that's that's good. And I'll never get it. I mean, we just named some monster fights. You know, some of the things before they were saying that the UFC was protecting you. How the hell was the UFC protecting you? I mean, if, if you look at it, at the end of the day, their business, they want to make money. They want people that are potential superstars to win fights. At the end of the day, I have to go out there and win the fights. They can, 
you know, people can say what they want. Again, doesn't doesn't really affect me. I fought, you know, some really good guys. Thomas Almeida was, was a tough opponent. Eddie Wineland was tough. Um, you know, there's there's tough guys. But, yeah, I mean, it's just people's opinions. Do you think uh, – what are your weight cuts like? And do you think you'll go up and wait at some point? Or do you think you'll stay where you're at now? What, what are you, like 135-ish? Yeah, I'm about – a fight at 135, about 157, 158. Weight cuts are—they suck. They're never fun. They're horrible. I got offered a certain amount of money to weigh in for this next fight for the for the title fight, just to be a backup fighter in case something happens. Um, and I said no. I'm, you know, uh, it, it's not worth that. That weight cut is way too miserable to, to wait to cut and, and not have a fight. So they're not. If I was broke or if I needed money, I would definitely do it. Um, but I'm in a good spot right now to where I can, I don't have to weigh in just to make some money. Uh, yeah. Cause they're way too hard. They're way too hard to weigh in. And you know, I only have a certain amount of weigh-ins I have left to, uh, before I, before I do move up to 45. So yeah, they're, they're, I'll move up to 45 eventually someday, but I, I definitely need to go get my title first. Now, now take us through, if you don't mind, just so people know some of that, like the hell, like, like, what do you have to do when, when you're, when you have to do a weight cut, whether it's 10 pound, whatever it may be, like what, what, how does the, the daily schedule change and just the hell of it? Um, it's, a lot of it's just dieting for eight weeks. You just kind of dieting, getting your weight down, like walk around like 158 fight week. I'll, I'll diet down all the way into probably like 150, um, and then I'll probably cut like ten to twelve pounds in, in like twenty four hours. It's pretty pretty average. I mean, it's pretty average for for most fighters to kind of go through it. And how how do you cut that quick without wanting to, you know, jump off a bridge? <laughs> uh, well, you just want to jump off a bridge. You just don't do it. No, you drink. You got a water load. You you uh. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's, it's, there's as much science as you can to do. I have, I have Dan Garner, the nutritionist, helps me do all all of that. Uh, it just sucks. It's not fun. There's really no way to explain it other than it sucks. And you have like that it factor that that makes you a superstar or whatever you want to call it. What what do you think it is in your mentality that makes you that way that separates you from other people? a good question i don't know uh some uh, i don't know i don't know I, I think it comes down to my performances i do have a lot of sweet knockouts people like that you know so i think it comes down to that uh i do think the crazy hair you know the my personality just i try to be honest and truthful and people you know can tell and it comes down to those two things just just being myself and knocking people out where did the where did all the where did the hair come from the coloring where where did you decide to start I'm gonna dye my hair and how do you figure what colors you're gonna do I guess I think the first time I decided to dye my hair was uh, probably inspired by Takashi Six Nine honestly um, and it was I did the rainbow hair I think that's kind of what his his was and that was the first first time I actually haven't had my normal just natural hair color since then I've always had it some <laughs> kind of color. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, people like it. it again, it wraps around to the merch. We do it around the merch too. And when we have fights coming up and 
you know, like uh, certain holidays will kind of go with that. And uh, yeah, people, you know, I, I like it. I feel like when I'm a hair, you know, super, when my hair is fucking pink, it's like I can't really take myself too serious. Life's, you know, you got, I can't take life too serious. So it helps, helps with that. I think it's an attraction. Yeah, you, you know, well, you know, when I see you getting ready or in the ring, you know, even before like, you know, we knew we were going to talk to you. It's just like you look at you more. You know, it's just the bottom line. Like yeah. you look at you more. You know, and it may, it does make it exciting rather than you know two guys. No, not taking anything away from anyone, but I don't so, know. For me, it makes it more exciting. And, you know? and I got I got to ask this. Probably a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, and Tommy probably knows the answer to it. You know, I, I I sit there. I watch UFC. I watch boxing. I've never boxed. I've never uh, been in the MMA ring. And my kids and me watch it. And you know, you guys come out right, and then you stand there for a second. You take off your pants. You get ready. And the guy comes over and he slides on the like Vaseline almost. I guess it is. Why? Yeah. What is that for? Why? Cuts. Getting cut. But, so, be, the, but when you're, I think, but, I mean, I've, but when you're coming out, like before you even start the fight, they like, rub, you know, they check your gloves, I guess, to make sure there's nothing in there. Yeah. And then they rub the shit on your face. Is that so the hands slip off right away and they don't break or what? I don't. It's not. It's, I think it's to prevent cuts. Oh, maybe. prevent. I, I'm honestly not too sure. Yeah, I was yeah, wondering. Right, watch it. And, yeah, but I, I could be fucking wrong. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I always wondered that. <laughs> And explain to people how, because you, you don't realize it, you, you don't think it. When you get hit with, it's worse to get hit with a boxing glove than the gloves that you guys wear, right? I mean, they're probably pretty similar. I think boxing gloves are almost like, I think you can wrap your hands a lot harder and it's almost like a cast under the boxing gloves. Yeah. Um, but they're very, they're, I mean, boxing gloves, eight ounces, MMA gloves, like two and a half, three ounces. They're, they're, I mean, there's not a ton ton protecting your hands on either, really. But, but I'd say they're pretty similar. But, yeah, I don't know. And, and when you kick the shit out of somebody, when, when you're done and you win, does, you, does your leg hurt like hell? Or you know how to, there's this yes. way, it does. So when when you see time, when you, when you kick fight. somebody and their head goes completely the other direction, and you keep going for another couple Hurts. of rounds, when the adrenaline's done, it, it, it's killer. It, what is it like a shin hard splint? to walk? Hard to walk. Yeah, it's way way worse than a shin splint. It's hard to walk. It hurts your feet, your shins, your knees, everything. You feel everything. It's horrible. And how long, how after a fight for you, you know, the way you do it and you got the best around you on, on a hard fight, how long does it take to you kind of feel normal again? It depends. Like my, my shins have hurt for, you know, easily my shins have been like a deep, deep bruise for two months to where you can't even kick a bag, you can't kick a uh, pads, you can't do shit for, you know, you can't even hardly grapple. So th there's been times where, you, the soreness kind of goes away, but there's deep bruises that really hurt. They'll stick around for a couple months. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. And, and a guy at your level, I mean, you're almost at the top. I'm sure you will be. Do you ever really go into a fight where there's nothing hurting? Uh, rarely. I would say that last fight against Peter Yawn, I, I, was, I was I was, pretty much 100%, you know. Wow. I would say I was... Yeah, I, I was. Re I felt really good at a really good fight camp for that. Nothing really hurt. 
that's because you got killer guys around you. Yeah. Because we yeah. we've had a lot of UFC guys in, and you know most most you know there's something that had happened or. You know, the fight wasn't that far apart where there's still something that fucking hurts when you go in there. So, I mean, especially after that one, after yawn. Yeah. Jeez, bro. You're like... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, I hurt for a while. <laughs> Are you an alien or something? <laughs> you believe in... Yeah. You, you, think, no, I, the, you yeah. think those UFOs are real? Uh, probably. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's. I mean, it's fun to think about, yeah. but, but I, I would say probably if I had a guess, but I also... You know, I'm a fighter for a reason. Yeah. Not the smartest. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, you can still talk and you yeah. can stay a full, uh, say a full sentence. So, I mean, you're so pretty far. smart. <laughs> so far. Now, you, you got a lot of guys. Yeah. You, got a, you got a lot of guys coming up, uh, you know, all the time in, in the MMA world. Uh, Tommy and me are both from Pennsylvania. So, there's a guy that I, you know, he's new, I guess, newer. And I like, I like watching him. Is that Bo Nickel? Um, any yep. anybody you see coming up that you kind of like yourself and you know they may be the future uh, along with yourself of the UFC. Um. Yeah, I think Bo Nickel is a huge prospect. You know, he's an elite level grappler. Um, he's very confident. He's he's young. Um, you know, I think if Patty's gonna if he's gonna fight any higher level competition he needs to be grinding he needs to just literally be in the gym doesn't need to be traveling can't be eating the way he's eating he's got to be eating good you're not eating good you can't train hard you're gonna get injured uh so i think patty has potential but he's i just don't know if he's doing the right work that needs to be put in uh that's where i'm confident because i've been doing everything right i've been doing doing the steps that i need to to become that superstar um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, I personally don't watch UFC a ton. I don't really pay attention to, to, uh, the fights. I watch the bigger fight cards or if it's an important fight for my division, I'll watch that, watch that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's people, no one's really standing out right now or, or I'm just not seeing it cause I'm so focused on myself. And then what goes into, you know, like, you know, I, I compare, I'm, I love football, right? I coach youth football, nothing to a major scale, but nice. you know, you, you, game film for football i go at you know you're 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 uh studying your opponent you're seeing things how much time are you putting in with film study along with your grappling or on with your diet along with all, how much film study goes into it uh, um not a ton a little definitely a little bit of watch i'll watch their last couple of fights mm-hmm. um kind of you know look look for some tendencies but yeah, uh, Tim watches a little bit too. He'll watch, and then we'll kind of you know do some things around it, but not not a, not a whole lot, not a ton. You know, the, the bigger the fights go, the more we'll definitely watch. But mm-hmm. uh, some people really, really just study it, and, and um, I kind of go in there have an idea um, of, of what they want to do, but I kind of just think of it more of as a flow and just you know, you know, yeah. So a little bit. See the the thing with the UFC this episode is brought to you by Fiji. More than just water. This is not just rock. It's ancient volcanic rock that filters tropical rain, giving it double the electrolytes and its signature soft, smooth taste. It's not just water. It's Fiji water. See, you know, in boxing and other sports like that, you can watch that tape and get a really good grip of how the person's going to be, whatever it is. But in the UFC, because you can use so many different weapons... Even if you sat there 
now you know you're you know you know not me but i would think that you could sit there and study that tape and that time that you're wasting studying the tape and not training the guy that you're about to fight he's going to switch up his whole style so that you don't know because he can use his legs his hands the grappling everything uh yeah some guys some guys don't really have the ability to do that you know they fought for the last 10 years the same way you know they're, they're really good at one two double leg they're not going to go in there and stand southpaw and, and start doing too much different stuff so a lot of the guys at the top you know are, are, are kind you know especially you know some of the guys that are more wrestle heavy they're not really going to do too much different you can watch film and get a good idea of how they're going to react so it, it depends someone like me is very unpredictable and, and uh, switches stances a lot. Has I have a lot of different setups. Um, I have a lot of different techniques. Uh, I, I would be a little bit more trickier, I would say, to to st- film study compared to you know some wrestlers. So yeah, it's every, everyone's different. But yeah, I mean, some some people really don't have much options other than to do what they know how to just do what they always do. Yeah, your stance is always different. Your stance, your stance is always different in there. Always different. I, I remember there was a there, there was another guy, and before he got to the UFC, he was like a what do you call that shit when you dance and make your feet clap? No, like an uh, Irish. Yeah, some Irish thing. But capoeira. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was doing that, and when when he would fight, he was tough because his feet were just going crazy, and you can never predict that. How, yeah. How important are feet that people don't think about, other than getting kicked by one? in fighting especially at your level yeah footwork is is huge i mean it's you could compare it to like a wide receiver in the nfl how good are they at running routes you know it's gonna that matters a lot at that position you got to be able to uh juke go one way do this do that and, and be unpredictable so yeah footwork is a is a huge part in fighting and what what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned so far in your career from being in the octagon uh, biggest lessons I've learned, or or meaning maybe what are, what are some things you've had to change to get to this level, other than you know the that everybody knows. Just like what are some things that throughout your experience that you had to change or you decided to change, and that you learned. Okay, well if I do this, this might be better than this. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say just being more disciplined in, in just life in general. Uh, you know, not not eating too at, too close to bed, not overeating, not eating too much sugar, not you know surfing on your phone too much, not doing stuff that's going to give you anxiety. Uh, probably just being more disciplined in every aspect in life, not just to become a better fighter, but just be you know a better person. So I, I just discipline for sure. And I think if you put 100,000 people in here and we said, hey, Sean lives in Arizona because it's nice and quiet and relaxed with older people, that I bet you one out of the 100,000 yeah. would believe that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that's what makes you so great. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think, you know, if you just look at my social media and you just kind of see me from that perspective, you know, I look, you know, look, looks a lot different than my actual life. I, uh, I don't do much. You know, if you want to be world champion, you want to be the best in the world at something. Your life's not going to be that exciting, and I I train, chill, train. You know, there's there's times I'll I will go out randomly, out, and it'll be like closer to after a fight, 
But for the most part, yeah, then I'm not doing a whole lot. How hard is it to have a relationship as a fighter? Uh, my relationship with Danny has been, you know, I've known her for <laughs> about eight years. We've been together. Um, it's, it's better than not having someone. You know, yeah. she, she definitely helps me stay more disciplined. She, she, she keeps me grounded. Obviously having Elena too, keeps me grounded. It makes it easier to stay home and not kind of have that urge to go out, that urge to go do something. So I'd say it's been massive in my success isn't that funny no matter how much they drive us nuts we know that without them we'd be off the well i know me i'd be off the handle i mean i, I would probably be in vegas right now spending all my money or god knows what but i know if i did i'll get killed when i get home <laughs> you know what i mean and here you are at the top of yeah. your game you know because you get tempted but then you're like, uh, is it worth it? Is it worth the shit when I get back? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and Sean, for, for some kids growing up, uh, watching you, like I said, I got a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old. My 13-year-old, when he found out we were interviewing you, was going crazy at the house. Oh, boy. Oh, my dad's going to be <laughs> interviewing Sugar Sean. What's your message to maybe some of those kids, you know, that do get into fighting and, and jiu-jitsu and all that type of stuff, you know, uh, to look forward to or if they want to make it, what they should be doing with their lives? Yeah, I, I would say just consistently go to the gym. Even on the days you don't want to, just go. You, you got to stay consistent or else someone else is going to be more consistent. And they're going to pass you up. So I, I say consistency is, is the biggest thing. Going even when you don't want to um, it w would be my advice. And I, I know it's hard to think ahead, but do you have any ideas in your head or goals in your head, maybe even starting now or after fighting that you want to do like a university type of thing or, or what, what do you want to open up or, or do what, what do you see yourself doing in you know, 10 years, however long? Yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, I'm on a, yeah, the next 10 years, I'll probably just keep doing what I'm doing right now. Just focusing on me and improving. You know, maybe, maybe you know, I know Tim's kind of enjoying coaching right now. He has a couple fighters, some amateur guys, a couple low-level pros um, right now that, you know, I could see myself kind of tagging along there and, and being a, a, and a, playing a coach role, you know, after fighting and just kind of staying in the sport. I'm going to continue to do jiu-jitsu until I can't, so... But yeah, I would, I would, I would assume, you know, in the next 10 years, I'll, I'll have a couple kids, maybe two, three kids and, you know, just, just who knows where, what the world's going to be like in 10 years. It's hard to say. You ain't lying about that. <laughs> I think you'd be a kill, an awesome coach because you're, you're so calm. Yeah, and I'm telling you, when chill. people see this, they're, they're going to lose their mind because you're so calm and down to earth and just a motherfucker of a fighter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you, brother. Yeah, and you got your YouTube, your Instagram, your TikTok, your Twitter, your Facebook. Uh, are you yep. gonna Are you gonna expand the YouTube anymore? Do you want to put more on there? Do you want to do more with that, or or like do you have any more goals with that, or anything anything coming up that would surprise people on social media? Even though I hate social media to death, but we all have to use <laughs> it for we all have to use it. Or I, I might hate it because I'm with a girl that can't seem to get her phone out of her hand, but. Oh, yeah, that'll happen. Uh, no, it's kind of <laughs> dropped two podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Breaking news, Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. 
From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shave your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using code MSCS Media for 20% off and free shipping. No one likes a weird beard, so say goodbye to all the stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a monster of fixing faces. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard. No more messing around in drawers, this color one, that color one, all with one guard. Plus it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower and avoid all that hair in the sink. The Pro Kit doesn't end there though. First, there's the beard shampoo and conditioner. You need to remember your hair is different. Next, Manscaped's beard oil. Cap it off with beard balm. The Pro Kit also comes with three different gifts, a beard brush, comb and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code mscs media at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com use the code mscs media manscaped beard hedger one stroke one guard 20 lengths link is in the description below the week i drop up timbo sugar show once a week then the bro mally show i do a podcast my brother once a week um and then we'll drop some reaction videos when there's big fights coming up i vlog randomly i'll have have my guy come over and and if if i'm doing anything interesting i'll vlog it i'll throw that on youtube um yeah it's i mean yeah not really my my, my number one concern and main focus is always training it's always going to be training uh, and then all the social media stuff is, is just to make extra money. I make more money doing that than I, well, I'm about to not be able to say that. But for a while there, I was making more money on doing all this stuff rather than more than fighting. But new contract, I won't be able to say that anymore. But it's a good thing. And you have one brother, you said? I have two brothers, but I just do a podcast with one of them. What was that like growing up? Do you guys fight all the time? Are you the youngest, middle child? What are you? Uh, middle child. It was good. We, we were just competitive, you know, always, always playing sports against each other. And what, what do you have coming out next on the sugar shop? Cause I love it. I'm, I got, I'm telling you that that is, the, 